Holden, who is going to be speaking this morning. We've been part of New Ground for a long time. In actual fact, we were probably one of the first churches to join New Ground. And Dave personally has been a real blessing to me. He has brought some key prophetic words about grasshoppers and things like that, that have so encouraged me and provoked me and actually rebuked me a little bit as well. Um, as well as the encouragement to be planting out venues and stirring in spiritual gifts. I know Dave is going to be a real blessing to us. Why don't we give him an absolutely warm welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Looking forward to preaching not only here but in Bexhill in a few moments, and then back here again this evening. It's a great joy. Um, Can I just uh, very quickly say how thrilled... Uh, I and other people in the New Ground family are about the way that you as a church have taken this journey um, of expansion and, uh, and reaching out to other communities in your locality. I dare say there are more yet to come. And just to say that this is now becoming one of the tools that God is using for us to reach more people with the gospel. That as we begin to grow and expand and reach out to other communities... Um, we really do see God honouring that. So several churches that we're working with now have become multi-site or multi-venue churches, um, which is absolutely wonderful. It's costly. Um, it stretches us. It uh, means that things get a bit untidy. Um, words don't work on the screens and things like that. Normal kind of church life. But the reality is, the result is to do with mission And we do these things not because it's trendy, but because we love to reach more people with the gospel, don't we? And so um, this expansion is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. We're doing it because we want to reach more people to proclaim the gospel, to demonstrate the gospel through the way we live and the things that we say. And in order for us to do that, we need to go where the people are. So I live in southeast London. We have 880,000 people in three boroughs that we're trying to reach. That's a lot of people. And they're not all going to come to our building. So we're on a journey of creating congregations that can reach more and more people with the gospel. So we started two years ago. And uh, we have now doubled in size of the amount of people that come to our meetings on Sunday mornings. So I share that with you as a way of encouragement for you to be full of expectation that God is going to do great things amongst you. Above all, the reason we should do this and the reason we're here today is Jesus said a very profound yet very simple word which has strategy involved in it. Jesus on one occasion said, if I be lifted up, all men will be drawn unto me. It's so simple we can miss it. Church is not about you and me and our personalities and how well we do things. It is just simply about Jesus and us constantly lifting Jesus higher in our worship, in our preaching, in our fellowship with one another. And as we lift Jesus high, he will draw all men unto him. Let's be that kind of church, amen? Everything we do 
Wherever we go, we're talking about Jesus. We're centered in upon Jesus. We're a Jesus-centered community. We want to talk about him. We want to explain him to other people. Because he said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people unto myself. And I'm gripped just recently, which is where I'm going to share with you this morning, about what that looks like. How do we lift Jesus high? We say, well, obviously, through the preaching, we talk about Jesus. Through um, our worship, we, we worship centered upon Jesus. But I think that one of the ways that people are going to see Jesus exalted increasingly is going to be through very ordinary people like you and me. It's one of the ways that people are going to see this Jesus exalted is through seeing him at work in people. I want to look today for a few moments about what would that be like if people could see Jesus in me? What would that be like? How would that actually work? I think we're probably somewhere between halfway between Christmas and Easter. Probably a little bit over, edging towards Easter. And I don't know about you, but I have a kind of love-hate relationship with Christmas. And the Christmases that we do as church communities. I mean, I really do love all of it. The bit I don't like is the amount of people that turn up, which I'm very grateful for, but we don't see them until next year. Do any of you identify with that? It's kind of slightly weird. And what happens when crowds of people turn up at Christmas and we present Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who came to earth, is that we tell them this story. And we're praying that more and more people who don't know about Jesus will hear the message that Jesus came as a baby and that, and that he came and it's amazing because he was so vulnerable and, and God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We talk about Christmas, we talk about the Christmas story. The problem that we have with this is the people who come are just hearing chapter one of a very, very big story. And my frustration is they're all going to come back next year. And do you know what? They hear chapter one again. And so lots of people in our country live through this cycle of not knowing the story of Jesus, not really knowing who he is because they just turn up at... Christmas. I'd love them to understand that actually Easter is even more significant because you can't understand Christmas without Easter. You can't understand who Jesus is as a baby unless you know the rest of the story. And the rest of the story, as many of you know here this morning, is that he came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins and then he rose again from the dead. And that's what Easter's really all about. Uh, I have a, a grandson, William, who's five or six? Five. And uh, yesterday his mum was saying to me that, she said, William, what's Easter all about? And he said the usual stuff, chocolates and bunnies and chocolates and more bunnies and lots of things like that. She said, what's really the message of Easter? And he said, it's about Jesus. And it's about Jesus who died for us. And it's about Jesus who was buried in the tomb. And then what happened is some very, very big men came along and rolled the stone away. That's the bit he hasn't quite worked out. So we need to create some of William's theology that actually a miracle happened and Jesus was raised from the dead. The truth is this, that 
If people don't hear that part of the story, how are they ever going to see who Jesus is? Keep inviting people at Christmas, by the way. Don't say to them, Paul will kill me if you, if you say to them, don't bother to come again because it's only chapter one. The reality is we want people to come and hear and understand. The truth is really this, that they're not going to hear the rest of the story. They're not really going to see who Jesus is. So here we go. I believe that they will see Jesus through you, through ordinary, very ordinary people like us. They're going to read us. Someone said people don't read the Bible anymore, but they can read Christians. And so they can see Jesus. You are a living proof that this wasn't just the story of a baby, but became a man and died. Because so many of you, as we expressed in our worship, I think we should have less words more often. Anyway, as we expressed in our worship, one after another, telling one another how Jesus has come and changed our lives. So more and more people in our country are going to see Jesus through the rest of the story, which is through us. I want to just land this in this wonderful scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, where Paul says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This is an amazing statement. That there is treasure inside of you today if you are a child of God. Wow. There is something in you that is amazingly attractive. There is something in you that God has placed into your life that is meant to be seen and put on display. I entitled this, this, this sermon, Hidden Treasure? Question mark. Because this treasure, verse 7, but this treasure in jars of clay that's been given to you and me, is there not to be hidden treasure. This is not buried treasure. If God has put treasure in your life, his purpose is that this treasure should be seen and be on display. This is real treasure. This is treasure that is different. This is treasure that's satisfying. This is treasure that's lasting. This is treasure in you that everybody in this world is looking for, and it's in you. Someone say something. (laughs) Hallelujah or something. Be un-British just for a moment. What is this treasure? This treasure is a living message of transformation. 
This treasure is a word that's come into your life that's changed you at the very root of your being. Everybody wants to change. The problem is all the changes that are going around this world today are all cosmetic or they just last for a second. This treasure is a change at the root of your very being that changes you forever. This treasure is that you can be born again and become a new creation. This treasure is that an imperishable seed, something of eternity that never dies, has come into your life. Everybody's looking for something that lasts. It's in you. This treasure is the power of salvation to bring complete forgiveness for everything that's ever happened in your life. And not only that, but it's been eradicated. It's been removed forever. This treasure is, your past is not only forgiven, but it's removed. This treasure is the power of Jesus, who's been raised from the dead. This treasure is about Jesus being alive in you. Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 13 of a man who finds treasure and it's in a field and he, he kind of allows it to be buried there and he buys the field so that he'll get more out of it. This treasure is like a pearl and a merchant's looking everywhere for it. He's got lots of pearls, but actually then he finds this pearl of great price and he sells all the other pearls to get this treasure. This treasure is Christ in you. And you in Christ. This treasure, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Listen to this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this treasure is sonship. That you and I have become children of God. And that we now know God. And we know that he is our heavenly father. This treasure is being justified by faith, nothing that I've done, but then being sanctified, in other words, becoming more and more like Jesus. This treasure is that the Holy Spirit has come within us to give us assurance of eternity. And at this point, I was going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, which Paul read at the beginning of our worship together. It's just treasure after treasure after treasure, adopted as sons of God, predestined to be like Jesus, sealed with the guarantee of promise. This is the treasure that God has put within you and me. And you don't deserve it. And you didn't do anything to gain it. And you're not good enough to be a person that should have it. And you never will be. Put your hand up this morning if you know this treasure is living within you. See, I'm looking at a miracle. I'm looking at the most amazing thing. The other amazing thing is that none of us look very excited about it at the moment. (laughs) If I was in Africa, this whole place would be erupting into something. But there we go. It's what we are. We can't help ourselves. I want to ask this question, um, and the question is this, how will people see this treasure? How will they see it? This passage of scripture gives us the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just hang on there with me, then we're going to make it practical. How will people see this treasure? Well, look at what it says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. The first way people are going to see Jesus 
in you and me is because God in his wisdom has placed this, placed this treasure in what he calls jars of clay. You're a jar of clay. That means you're frail. You're vulnerable, breakable. He's put his treasure in something that's not going to last forever. One day you're going to die. The, this, this jar of clay is, is very weak. It doesn't look much to look at. The jar of clay is in contrast to the treasure. If we listed what a jar of clay is like and then what, a, what the treasure is that God's put within you, you'd be amazed at the difference between the two. Exactly. That's the whole point. People will see this treasure in very, very ordinary, weak, vulnerable, frail people like you and me. Did you know you're extremely ordinary? Say to the person next to you, I am very ordinary. And can I just say this? Just in case you don't get this message, you always will be. Has it ever occurred to you that there is a reason that God has manifested his treasure in very ordinary people, in jars of clay. Verse 7 says this, for we have this treasure in these ordinary clay pots that are vulnerable and very weak, to show. See, this is this thing about Jesus in you, for your friends and neighbours and your family, to show that the surpassing power that's in you, belongs to God and not to us. This is a massive issue. I actually find so many Christians that don't like themselves and beat themselves up. It's like, I talk to Christians and they say to things like, the trouble is I'm just so up and down in my faith and I'm so inconsistent and I I know I'm a little bit like Jesus but I'm not really that much like him. I'm so obviously marred. And so obviously weak and so obviously ordinary. You don't have to become something special to display the treasure who is Jesus. In fact, it's through our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities that there is more opportunity for the treasure to be seen. Has it ever occurred to you if I keep bettering myself and looking impressive so everybody knows what an amazing Christian I am, I might just be hiding the treasure. Think about that for a moment. The treasure isn't manifest through extraordinary, amazing people. It's manifest through people who know they don't deserve the treasure. And people who know that actually we wouldn't have chosen ourselves. Exactly. This is the mercy and the grace of God we've been thinking about in our worship time. It's not you that's attractive. It's the treasure in you. That people are going to find attractive. You say, well, I'm not very attractive. Well, maybe not. But there's treasure in you that's magnetic and powerful and life-changing. Maybe Christians should stop bothering about what we look like and how amazing we are. And, oh, that I might be better than I am and do better than I am. And we all want to do that. I understand that. We're on a journey to become more like Jesus. Brilliant. But the reality is, even now, with your weaknesses and what is obviously a jar of clay that's so ordinary, 
the treasure is on display. People look through us and make, my goodness, look at what's going on in your life. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, Paul says this, But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, treasure, is made perfect in weakness. Somehow in God's wisdom, through our weakness, treasure is still seen. It's an amazing passage in 1 Corinthians. I'll read it because it's great. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord. I'm boasting in the treasure. It's all about Jesus. It's all about exalting him. If I be lifted up, all men will see. It's about me in a jar of clay and the treasure being seen. So the first way it's seen is through being a jar of clay. Easily broken, but Jesus is in us. We're still his body here on earth. We're his his voice, his hands, his feet, his compassion. Second way is this, they will see it through life. If you go back to the text we've been looking at here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says just very simply, concerning these jars of clay, verse 8 says, For we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. What's all this about? This is really about Living through life. In other words, Christians go through the same things that everybody goes through. We get persecuted. We get perplexed. We get things coming against us. We sometimes feel struck down and afflicted. Has it ever occurred to you, this is why we're on this planet? Because your friends and neighbours and people that don't yet know Jesus are watching us. So you go through what I go through, but somehow there's something different about you. What is it? And at that point, we do not answer, well, I'm just an amazing kind of person, really. (laughs) It's at that point that you will say to them, do you know what? I am just like you, but this is God at work within me. It's Jesus who's the one that makes the difference. It's strange, but the passage goes on. Paul starts to talk about a kind of death. He says, we die that you might live. It's, It's like Jesus becomes manifest. The treasure becomes manifest in the jar of clay. Every time I die to something, his life seeps out of me. I choose him and not me. I live for his glory and not my own. It's a wonderful passage in Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's kind of like every day of my life. In fact, Paul says, I die daily. It's like every day that I choose to be a follower of Jesus, to take up my cross, deny myself and follow him, there's the opportunity there for the life of Jesus to be seen. So through being a jar of clay and secondly through living life and knowing that people are watching me, this treasure will start to be on display. So I want to finish today by suggesting to you that there are visual displays of this treasure that are very easy for people to find. I've got five of them. I have no idea in ten minutes whether I'll get through them. Freedom, joy, peace, love, and hope. Everybody in the Hastings area wants freedom. Everybody is looking for joy and happiness. Everybody is looking for peace and love and they're desperate for hope. And brothers and sisters, if you are a child of God and you're in Christ, it's all in you already. And what we're waiting for is for it to be on display. Just before I spend some moments talking about these five things, let me just say something to you about words. So the word freedom or joy or peace or love or hope are words that the world uses. Your friends will use those words. So are we talking about something that we've got um, that's actually the same as the world. So the world talks about love. So is this treasure the same love? The world talks about the need for joy. The joy that we have as Christians, is it really the same joy that people in the world have? Or is it the same but just a bit better? So we've got joy but it's a bit better than the world's got. Or we've got hope and it's a bit better than the world's got. I want to suggest to you that what you've got is totally different to what the world has when it talks about those words. The reason for this is if your joy is the same as the world's joy, it's hardly a treasure worth pursuing. And even if your love is a bit the same as the world but a bit better, that's hardly a, a treasure worth going for. But if you've got something that expresses those words that's totally radically different, then I reckon that's treasure worth pursuing through you and through me. Here we go, very quickly, freedom. Jesus said this, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a very interesting phrase and very different to what the world thinks about freedom. It's kind of like Jesus saying, if you get me, if this treasure comes into you, you are really, really free. You're not just a bit free. If the sun sets you free, if Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. A couple of examples. In the world, for example, they might describe freedom as something external. For example, injustice or oppression. So what happens is that when, when we see people who are oppressed and they're set free, then it's fantastic. IJM, great example. 
a great organization that we're really behind, they literally are setting people in slavery free. This is real freedom. It's a really great thing that we should support. But do you know you can gain all of that freedom and still be inwardly bound? So you can be in prison and you go on an alpha course, as thousands have done in this country in prisons, and get wonderfully saved. And at that moment you're still in prison, but you're freer than anybody who's walking around this planet that's not in prison. For decades, Chinese Christians have been persecuted and thrown into prisons and they are more free than the people that put them there in the first place. You can be outwardly set free, which is good, but you, if you're a child of God, this is the treasure that you have, you have a freedom greater than that. They can put you in prison, but you're still totally free. Because this is freedom internally and not just externally, which I believe is an amazing treasure that people want. My goodness, you can be free indeed in, 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 within your inner person. Of course, the second example of freedom is the philosophy that our nation lives under, which is basically real freedom is do whatever you like as long as you're happy. Do whatever you like as long as that's real freedom. No restrictions. Just be yourself. We've had over 50 years in this country now of living by this philosophy. And now we have a new generation that are growing up as fruit of that so-called freedom. And they don't look at all free to me. They look more depressed and bound and confused and tied up than ever before. You can proclaim, well, sex is something that, you know, just do it. Doesn't matter who you do it with, throw off all restraints. Bible says you should only have sex within the confines of marriage. Whoa, what restriction is that? Listen, anything that's in the Word of God is truth. And what does truth do? It sets you free. This is a treasure way different from the so called freedom that there is in the world. Secondly, joy. Well, the world's desperate for joy, but it's superficial a lot of the time. It's a feeling that passes. It doesn't last. We are surrounded by people searching for joy. And you can only really know real joy in Jesus. And that joy is in you. And this joy is different from the world's joy because it's such a treasure because no matter what the circumstances of life, this joy can still be experienced. This joy is a fruit of the Spirit. This is joy in sorrow, joy in pain. This is inner joy. Even if you're having difficulties, joy comes in the morning. This is everlasting joy. This is joy that doesn't run out. This is joy in the midst of perplexities. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Everybody is looking for this kind of joy and it's already in you. You're a jar of clay. Let the treasure be seen and experienced. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says this is joy inexpressible and full of glory. Here's the third one. I'm I'm doing all right. I've got five more minutes before the carriage arrives and I'm rushed away. Thirdly, peace. We have peace. The world acknowledges, doesn't it? Our need for peace, even inner peace. Everywhere around us, people are suffering. Depression, anxiety. 
increasing technology and the pace of life and everybody's stressed, stressed out. So please, can we have therapy? Can we have more medication? Maybe we're looking to Eastern philosophy and mindfulness is the latest trendy version. If only I could find peace is the cry of all people around us. Here's the answer. You can. And it's in Jesus. And peace is the fruit of the Spirit. And you can see Jesus and the peace that he gives through very ordinary people called Christians who are jars of clay, but the treasure is on display. His peace deals with the root, not just the symptoms. You have peace with God. You have peace with yourself. You have peace with other people. John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, Peace I live with you, leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Isn't that an interesting phrase? I've been trying to argue all morning that what you've got isn't just a better version. It's actually different. Jesus says, I've got peace for you. It's not as the world gives. It's totally, totally different. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. If only I could have peace, well, you can. You say, well, I'm a Christian, and I have to say to you, I'm actually a very anxious person. There's still peace within you if you're a child of God. Let the peace come even through your anxiety, not just for you to feel good, but for the sake of those around you who need to know this. Fourthly, quickly, love. I think this is the greatest longing of our society today, people around us. There's such confusion, so much superficial, temporary kind of love and romance which isn't real. God's love is totally different. His love is about covenant and faithfulness. It's about this amazing treasure. 1 Corinthians 13, we know this passage so well. Love is, love is, love is. You can read this for yourself, maybe at a later time. Okay, let's read it now. Patient and kind, doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It's amazing. Love bears all things. Love, love believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. This is a love the world doesn't know. And this is a love that has become your very own. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 5.5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Treasure in you. It's not just, wow, look at the love of God. Agape love, this love, this, this one side, it's in you. And it's demonstrated through ordinary people like you and me. We're in a love-deprived generation. And all the time, they don't realize there are people walking around with treasure in them, which is the very love that they're craving. And finally, hope. Is there any hope? We're a hopeless generation. Ask most people in Hastings, what are you hoping for? What's the hope of this nation? What's the hope before us? They'll look at you and they'll be very negative. A guy called John Ortberg said this. So we're coming to a close. He said this, this is an amazing quote. I hope he comes up behind me. Hope is the fuel that the human heart runs on. A car crash or a diving accident can paralyze a body, but the death of hope paralyzes the spirit. Now listen to this. We can survive the loss of an extraordinary number of things, but no one can live without hope. When it is gone, we are done. We have a crisis all around us.
I just heard this last week, that the amount of teenage girls that are self-harming has risen by 70% in the last 10 years. Why? They have no hope. There are more men, young men, between the age of 17 and 24 committing suicide in our nation more than any other nation in Europe. We are a nation that's desperate for some hope. And here's the treasure. The hope is in you. We're not just a hopeful people. We are the people of hope. We are flooded with hope. Final verse, Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Everyone's looking for hope. They don't realize it. it's in you. They're staring at it. Maybe they can't see it because the jar of clay has not allowed itself to be vulnerable enough. Can we stand, please? I'd like us to close our eyes. And I'd like to lead us in a prayer, which I hope that you can identify with. Lord, I want to acknowledge this morning that I am a jar of clay. And I always will be. But I thank you more than that, that you have put this treasure in someone like me. And even through my imperfections and my obvious weakness, my prayer this morning is this. Would you please manifest your treasure through me more and more that people might come to see Jesus? And I have a word here for many people here today who are Christians. And this is a word of encouragement. God wants you to experience this treasure more and more. This is not just a theology. This is a reality. So my prayer for all of you who are Christians today is that you will know more freedom than you have ever known in your life. That you will know more joy and peace and love and hope. Would you like that? That God is waiting to manifest that more and more through me and through you. And if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, can I really encourage you, there is treasure that God has for you, that he wants to place in you through Jesus. You will never find true freedom outside of Jesus. The joy that you experience in this world will never be lasting, but it can be in Jesus. There is peace that can be found in you and I becoming Christians and having a relationship with our Heavenly Father and all the love and all the hope that you've ever yearned for in your life. We're here to say to you today, it can only be found in Jesus. And you're surrounded by people, very ordinary people like you, who have found this to be true. Lord, would you glorify your name through treasure being placed in jars of clay in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brilliant. Dave is going to leave us now and head off to Bexhill to do it all again. I, I just, just before we, we, we go, just if, if you are here and you are exploring what it is to be a Christian, um, why don't you just head through if you want to, if you want to find out more, why don't you head through to the Connect area? Um, out in-